Hello and welcome to the Fuck a Diet podcast. I am your host, Caroline Dooner, and this is a podcast about diet culture. It's a really casual podcast too. Okay, all right, just warning you. Okay, all right, let's get started. This episode is brought to you by Side by Side Nutrition. Side by Side's dietitians work to empower people to become their own nutrition experts. Their team of health at every size and weight inclusive nutrition therapists work virtually all over the United States and locally in Colorado. They work both individually with clients of all ages, genders, and diagnoses, in addition to running groups, including a body image group and a binge eating group. They put out free weekly content on their YouTube channel, blog, and Instagram to help inspire your journey to a trusting and self-compassionate relationship with food in your body. And they offer one-on-one nutrition and body image therapy to those who struggle with eating disorders, disordered eating, and chronic dieting. They also take a variety of insurances, including the large commercial insurance companies Cigna, Aetna, and United Healthcare, which is really helpful. And if you're ready to work one-on-one, you can email contact at sidebysidenutrition.com or you can find the number to call in the show notes of this episode. That is sidebysidenutrition.com. This episode is also brought to you by another non-diet dietitian, Kirsten Ackerman, who was my guest on the April 12th episode where we talked about weight loss surgery. So check out that episode if you haven't. Kirsten also works virtually and she can help you to restore trust in your body, attune to your own internal cues and explore practices of body image healing. She's also the author of the book, The Intuitive Eating Plan, host of the Intuitive Bites podcast, and you can find links to her in the show notes of this episode and follow her on Instagram at theintuitive underscore RD. Hello, here we are, here we are. It's been two weeks. I'm happy to be talking to you again. I was trying to figure out what I have even been doing in these past two weeks, and I genuinely don't know. Um... (laughs) Well, okay, so I was essentially out of Philadelphia this entire summer as much as I possibly could be because of the heat and the masks and the pandemic and the everything. Um, And then I visited my friends in California. As you know, last week's episode was me talking to my friend Melanie. And now I'm back and my parents are all used to me living with them and they're like when are you coming back and I don't want to I'm so tired I just want to it's finally like a little bit cooler in Philadelphia and I feel like I can just live here for a while so I've been trying to stay alive that's one thing I've been doing I finished the I finished my manuscript of my book essentially it's not finished 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 but it's finished enough that I sent it in to my editor for the first time two months early, which is very weird, but I I reached a point where I was like, I just, I need feedback. I just, I just can't. So that happened last week, which is great. And so now I'm just sort of twiddling my thumbs, waiting for, um, waiting for feedback. Uh, I've also been on Instagram, uh, talking about canker sores, getting people's feedback on canker sores. It's a whole thing. You can go watch that on Instagram. Um, and just trying to sleep and being annoyed every morning that I wake up earlier than I want to. That's basically what I've been doing. Uh, today, 
I am sharing with you my conversation that I had with Casey Bonanno. She is another non-diet dietitian, specifically an eating disorder dietitian. And our conversation today is responding to an email I got of a mother of someone who was recovering from anorexia, but the mother and daughter both read my book, The Fuck It Diet, and loved it, but now the mom is struggling with her own internalized diet culture beliefs and wanting to be supportive and messing up and feeling bad and wondering how to be the most supportive. So the conversation, it's its mostly going to be from Casey's perspective as an eating disorder dietitian, but it's geared toward... Uh, a lot of different people. It's geared towards people who are loved ones of people either recovering from even just disordered eating or eating disorders and also people who are recovering from disordered eating or eating disorders who want to know how to talk to their loved ones. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, Before we get into it, I just want to let you know that way further into the conversation, we spend like five, six, seven minutes talking about the Real Housewives as usual, because that's one of the things that we have bonded over. Um, And if you are not a Real Housewives watcher, you can just skip ahead a couple minutes and we get back into talking about disordered eating. I hope you enjoy the conversation and I'll talk to you afterwards. Will you just introduce yourself for everyone who's listening to let us know what you do? Sure. I'm Casey Bonanno. I'm a registered dietitian and certified eating disorder registered dietitian down here in Dallas, Texas. And I have a private practice here. And let's see, I've been in the eating disorder field for about eight years now, um, which, wait, maybe it's nine, something like that. Um, And my practice completely focuses on eating disorders, disordered eating, and intuitive eating all under the health at every size kind of lens. Amazing. And Casey and I met on Instagram. Yes. And now we text about Bravo TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Among many other things, but mostly Bravo and dogs. Bravo dogs. Yes. We had lots of things to bond over (laughs) and we actually recorded, maybe I'll find a way to work this in somehow. We (laughs) recorded a podcast episode during quarantine, like during the first month or two. Yeah. About Bravo. And but, yeah, TV basically. <laughs> and then basically the world fell apart even more and it felt yeah. too frivolous. It was like during yeah. the whole like Black Lives Matter. And yeah, we were like, okay, maybe I was like, not. I'm not releasing something about Bravo. <laughs> and then also very quickly, it almost became dated. Yes, it's already dated. Because I we feel like do, we, we talked should, a lot about Stasi like too. Yeah, we could do like a round two where it's like, well, holy crap. <laughs> Yes. Bravo exploded. And here's our new thoughts on it. Actually, we abs- we really should do that. We'll do yeah. that sometime in the next couple months. Yeah. This, that'll be our follow-up <laughs> to this. Yes. Um, but uh, what I want to talk about today is an email that I got. And I get questions like this sometimes. Um, but an email that I got from a mother of someone who is healing their relationship to food and specifically healing from anorexia. So of course, it's a little bit more extreme of a situation than some people who listen to this podcast, but it still does apply. It can be a similarly stressful and confusing experience for all. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
I sent this email to you when I was talking about having you on the podcast to talk about this from your perspective as an eating disorder dietitian, mm -hmm. but I'm going to read it out just to remind both of us and also just so, so listeners know the kind of, you know, the jumping off point. So this was the email. Uh, she said, well, she said, have you ever done an episode about what it's like for families during the recovery from restriction? I'm finding it just as challenging as when my daughter was actively anorexic, though not quite as scary, of course. She's talking about her feelings, which is great, and continuing to see her therapist. But for me, as a mom, it's so hard to watch her eating so much and so much junk while she goes through this. The other day, she handed me an empty waffle box to throw away, and I had just bought them that morning. And sometimes I lose my focus as a parent of a recovering anorexic. And without thinking, I said, you ate the whole box? You can imagine the tailspin that created, and I just felt awful. I try so hard to be mindful and watch my mouth, but 50 years myself of diet culture and restriction have a pretty strong hold on me too and I go on automatic pilot sometimes. And she was just wondering if we could address this on the podcast, so that's what we're doing. And she said, how can parents, partners, and friends be supportive through this phase when it's freaking them out? And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Yep, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> so any first thoughts when, when you hear this? Well, I think, you know, I have a lot of thoughts. So my first kind of recommendation, I think, doesn't change regardless of what the person is struggling with, whether it be anorexia or bulimia or a combination or disordered eating. The, the recommendation is to not say anything mm -hmm, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and just allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. And I know that's really, really hard, but there's a couple things that I think are probably going on. One, this person has been heavily restrictive or maybe specifically restrictive with like carbohydrates or maybe specifically, even more specific with waffles. Mm -hmm. And they are kind of in that phase where it's like, okay, well, my people told me I can eat these things or I have finally given myself permission to eat these things. So like, yeah, you're probably not eating them in quote unquote normal quantities, whatever that means to you, whatever your kind of normal set point waffle amount ends up being. Um, <laughs> right. Like you're, yeah, I mean like waffles are probably still really exciting for her mm -hmm. and she just needs to eat them and maybe even overeat them for her brain to understand like you will be, I will give you waffles whenever you want waffles. You don't need to feel deprived from these waffles kind of thing. Yes. So it's a, and I think that's kind of like what you talk about in your book, right? Mm -hmm, it's like this mm -hmm. phase where it really does feel somewhat like a free for all a little bit. And it feels where, super irresponsible because of yes. all the messages that we have gotten and continue to get about food and eating. and Right, exactly. So, and, and I think this is the phase that, no one really likes. It feels a little out of control, mm -hmm. but you have to go through it in order to get to the other side. And there's no other way to do it. Yeah. Um, you can do it. Like sometimes I'll have people, you know, sometimes it works for people where it's just like, okay, you have permission, like eat, eat all the things. And they're like, awesome, cool. 
and they feel fine with that. And then I have other people that want to tiptoe a little bit more and we do like one or two foods at a time. And then, you know, then we pick a couple more at a time kind of thing. But, you know, it just kind of depends on the person. You could do it either way, but every person kind of hates this phase because it feels so counter to what they've been told before, Mm -hmm. but you have to go through it in order to get to the other side where waffles are just waffles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the more times that people hear that, the better, because you can believe it one day and then the next day you're like, what is wrong with me? Right. And I think hear it again. Yeah. Over and over and over again, like it's okay. Permission, permission, permission. And I think it's important also to remember that just because you're eating the food doesn't mean you actually have given yourself permission to eat the food. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And we kind of so talked true. about this on um, when the or uh, you and I talked about it when we were talking about the the binge eating versus disordered eating, like emotional yes. eating kind of thing. Yes. Or binge eating versus like binge eating disorder, right? Yeah. So Casey was my consultant on an episode (laughs) that I did like maybe two or three months ago about binge eating disorder versus binge eating. So if you listen to that, I quoted, I quoted someone really smart and it was Casey. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So just because, you know, she might be in the phase where she is giving herself permission to eat the waffles, but mentally she still thinks they're bad. Right. So there's still a mental restriction component. If anytime you feel like I shouldn't be eating this, then you're still technically in a restrictive mindset. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just eating it all the time can help, you know, yes, you need to do that kind of component, but you also have to change the way you believe, like the beliefs you have about food. Mm -hmm. So really changing the fact that you thought waffles were bad and now you believe that they aren't innately bad. They're just food. And I think that's the part that people really forget. You can't do one without the other. Right. You have to eat the food, but then you also have to change your beliefs about the food. Yeah, because you can stay stuck in a sort of reactive state that's all stemming from the guilt around how you're eating for a exactly. really long time. And the other thing, and this is, this isn't really the point because the point is supposed to be that you're allowed to eat as much food and as much calories and as much carbs as you want and Mm -hmm. need and crave, especially in the beginning. And it's going to feel really out of control. But at the same time, I mean, if I really think about a box of waffles, it's probably six waffles, you know, frozen Uh waffles. It's probably not even really that well, that was going to really? be my other question is one, did you actually buy them that morning or was it really a couple of days ago? And well, like, did she I, eat- I don't know, but even if she did buy it that morning and she was like, I'm going to have a snack and I'm really hungry and I'm just going to keep eating these waffles until I finish all six of them. Right. I, I don't know, maybe eight, but even still that's, that's, I mean, yeah, it's a lot, like, it's a lot for a snack, like under normal circumstances. But if you think about it, I don't want to talk about calories, but I'm just thinking about what the calories of that would be. And it's really yeah, not it's even like not unheard of. Right? right. Like it's like still within a, like a normal, like quote unquote normal, like two big pieces of cake, maybe. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and it also is like, well, does she have two waffles for breakfast? And then she had a, you know, two waffles for lunch and then mm-hmm, a waffle mm-hmm. for, maybe she's just really into waffles right now. <laughs> right, <laughs> And like, that is another is- thing, right? Like, I, I mean, I experienced this myself that I would go through major phases of like, yeah, like food jags where you're like, I'm really into this. Yes. And then and you're then like, it- nah- 
over it. And then you get bored after a couple of weeks or, or less even. And I also think else. that people like would feel better too. Like in our weird food brain, like if it was like two waffles for breakfast and then you had bread for lunch and then you had potatoes for dinner, like at the end of the day, like if all of your carbohydrates come from waffles in a day, it doesn't really matter. Or if they all come from different sources, like eventually you're going to be like, okay, I want something else. Yes. But like, I think the mom probably would have felt better if it would have been different carbohydrates. And that I think is like just you know, diet culture of like, oh, this is what variety looks like. Right. Or this is what balance looks like. Yeah. 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 Can't you just, can't you just eat like whole, you know, more solid meals? Yeah. 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 That's a really good point. If you think of a waffle and a piece of bread, they're made of the same ingredients. So it's like flour, water, I don't know, egg maybe. Yeah. Just a little extra. It's just like a different ratio. And that's what I always remind people. It's like, it's, it's all like basically the same thing. Just like this one has ridges and this one is right. Right. It's like how all Mexican food, not really, but like form of a taco, rice, beans, cheese, meat, corn. Yeah. My husband talked about this all the time. Mexican food is all the same. Like a fajita is a taco. Taco is a burrito. A burrito is a flauta. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And the same with Italian food. It's like we have cheese, we have tomato sauce, we have some sort of bread. A noodle. (laughs) Yes. And and noodle. This is a different kind of combination. Exactly. 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 Yeah. That's that's all really good points. The other thing I would say for, so for the, the loved one or whatever is, you know, unless the patient is concerned about it, I don't think you need to be concerned about it. Now, if they come to you like in stress about it, you know, I think the best thing to do is like, okay, well, let's talk to your providers about this, mm-hmm. right? Because the provider is trained to say things in a way. And even if let's say this, this girl is, is binging on waffles, like that is also like one, maybe like we said, she just needs to do that for a little bit to kind of get to the other side of it and realizing like, she has permission to eat waffles, but two, like, that's also like the underlining issue is still the same. It's just a different kind of behavior. And so that's good information for the provider to know too. And they can navigate that in a way that is not triggering, that is not shaming, that is not, you know, um, guilt provoking, if that makes sense. Yes. I would also say that maybe mom should schedule her own appointment either with her own, you know, kind of eating disorder dietitian or with the daughter's eating disorder dietitian so that she can say all these fears and that the dietitian can then educate her and help her understand kind of the process and what's happening. Cause I totally understand what the mom's saying. She's like, you know, I've been entrenched in this too, and I'm trying my best to do and say the right things. But like, of course she's not going to all the time because like we're all brainwashed by diet culture. Right, 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 right. And, you know, the thing to remember, and I'm sure she knows this, which is why she reached out in the first place, but people going through this process themselves, the people who are healing their own eating disorders or disordered eating are stressed enough about it. Like Mm -hmm. we're already worried that we're doing this all wrong or there's something wrong with the way we're doing it or we're eating too much. And 
what we need and, and what we don't really get very often because of the culture we live in, but what we really need is to be surrounded by people who are saying, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's going to be different every day. It's, it's, a, it's normal that you're really hungry. It's not that big of a deal, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, I mean, it absolutely. is a big deal to heal your relationship with food or to heal an eating disorder, but right, the eating but like, part, yeah. But eating X number of waffles in the grand scheme of life does not really matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, that <laughs> we're done. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that helped. <laughs> Um, what else, what, what else can we say about this? What else could be a helpful perspective? I really feel like that was like very solid and helpful and straightforward and very along the lines of everything that I have said a million times, but it's so helpful to hear it again from other people who, who really do this for a living, you know? Yeah. I, I think that the, the, I guess the other kind of point that I want to make is that we live in a world that basically says, or like, how do I say this? Um, you know, she went from a place of like not eating enough and got the message that like, well, that's bad. Don't do that. And now, right. now the message is, well, that's too much. Don't do that. And so yeah. it's like, wait, I have to walk such a fine line of like the appropriate amount of food. And I think we get that with, um, you know, our bodies, like, don't be too thin, but, oh, wait, don't, don't be too large. I was going to say, that's the other way that this comes up in even in eating disorder recovery. Right. It's like, oh yeah, like food freedom for all, but wait, not, not if you go past that, you know? So these parameters, but I think just allowing the journey to be whatever it's going to be. And I always tell people like, if you flip to the other end of the spectrum where you're just binging all the time, that's cool. Like, we'll just deal with that when that happens. Right. Right. Like it's the same. Again, the underlying stuff is the same. Mm -hmm. It's just the behavior kind of comes out differently. And it also makes sense that you deprived yourself for so long that like, of course your body is like, Oh my gosh, now we're allowed to have food. I'm going to, I'm going to eat all of the food like that. And if we can come at it from a place of compassion and understanding that our body is on our side and that it doesn't realize that like it's 2020 and, and you know, we're not stranded on a desert Island and all of a sudden now we have resources. It doesn't know that we kind of did it to ourselves, but like if you can look at it from a standpoint of my body is trying to keep me alive and it's trying to do the best that it can, but it just doesn't really understand all of the like intricate details of the situation. I think we can come at it from a more compassionate place and understand yeah. like we're, we're in this together. Like we're, we're miscommunicating, but we're in this together and, and we're going to eventually kind of feel it out. And like, there's not anything that we can't really like quote unquote undo, if that makes sense. Like, right. And I tell people that like, that's kind of the beauty of nutrition is that like, one meal, one day, one week, one month, like it's really not going to totally mess you up. Like you have wiggle room. Like it's not like you eat a cheeseburger and then all of a sudden you have high cholesterol. Like it doesn't work like that. (laughs) It's more for way more forgiving than that. Yeah. And so like, just be curious, like, oh, interesting that happened. Okay. Let me think about that. Like what were 
all of the events that kind of led to that. Like, why did I do that? Um, and, and what can I learn from this? And like, maybe it's something that didn't make me feel physically super great. And so like, let me think about that and, and just be curious, non-judgmental curiosity. Yeah. You will get so much farther and you will learn so much more about your relationship with food by being non-judgmentally curious. It's so true. And because the more judgmental you are during the process, the longer it takes. The longer it takes and the more you want to say like, screw it, I'm just going to eat all of the things or, oh my gosh, this is too scary. I'm going to go back and Mm -hmm. restrict all of the things. It, It creates behaviors. Yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, even if it's going well and you're making progress, it, it takes time. Like it takes at least months, if not longer to kind of get through this extreme refeeding period. So I did this, uh, it was, gosh, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it was actually in January. (laughs) We did this. Oh my God. uh, Everything in January feels so long ago. (laughs) So long ago. Like that's not like two years ago. Um, (laughs) We did this all day workshop, me and this other therapist that uh, it was like a new year's resolution kind of thing, but it was all like anti-diet and like not going on a diet and like healing your relationship. But at the end, this one of the girls was like, so can you kind of give me an estimate of like how long it takes to like legalize food? And I was like, oh my God, I hate this question. I know. Um, And everyone wants to know. But so I was like, you know, there's like a hundred like asterisks that I want to put on this, but generally I say like six months. Right. Um, I said maybe three to six months and she was like, Oh, Oh my God. And I was, cause her, like, that's really like, long. Yeah. Well, I go, yeah. wait, like that's shorter. That's long. And she was like, no, that's long. Um, and she was like, I basically did it for like, I think she said like two days. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean, I've like heard, week. I have heard that before. And I yeah. think it just varies depending on how deep yeah. it goes for people. I think there really are people who reach out and they're like, wow, I have eaten, like I went on a food bender after reading your book for six days. And now I don't even care about all the food in my house. And I'm like, wow, congratulations. That's very fast. But yes, I've heard it enough fast. times. I've heard it enough times that that's probably a light chronic dieter who, yeah. you know, is on the spectrum of eating disorders to an, to intuitive eating is a disordered eater, maybe a little bit closer to intuitive eating, right. you know? Yeah. Was maybe our, didn't have as big of a, a jump to make. And then I've heard, you know, I get nervous saying six months because there are people where it takes a lot longer. And if I say six months, they panic and they're like, wait, right. it's been happening for eight months. Or are you saying this must mean right. that I'm doing something wrong? And it, it doesn't, it just, means it totally it takes- depends on how long you've done it, how deep seated those beliefs are how ready are you to change how ready are you to to change how you be, how you like what you believe about food and i would say that most of the time like several like a big chunk of food gets legalized very quickly mm-hmm. and then there are these sticking points mm-hmm. that people just kind of get stuck on whether it's like ice cream or bread or like certain foods that just take longer i remember this one woman was eating a lot of chocolate and had been for like a year and a half. And she kept being like, I think I'm done with chocolate. And then she would binge on chocolate or something like that. And I, and I just finally said, I was like, well, maybe you just need to be okay with the fact that you're not done with chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it, it is what it is. It doesn't matter. You're not over it yet. That's okay. Right. Just keep right. eating it. 
You know how diet culture has hijacked exercise and made it all about losing weight and burning calories and manipulating our bodies? It's so annoying. It's so annoying. This summer I was looking for videos, um, little exercise videos when I felt trapped in my house and they all were talking about burning and it really pissed me off. Ideally, we want to find exercise that makes us feel good without focusing on weight and weight loss and burning calories. So I want to talk about Unmeasured, another sponsor of this episode. Unmeasured is a virtual monthly bar membership that trades the toxic diet culture BS for body celebration. For just $25 a month, you get 24-7 access to a virtual library of do-anywhere bar classes that are refreshed weekly, and there are curated playlists and form and modification tutorials. So if things are too difficult or hard on your body, there are other ways to make it less hard on your body, which is really nice. Unmeasured was created by bar instructor Simibotic, and it is free from shame and judgment, and you can honor your body and enjoy a fun, intuitive relationship with movement. You can go to unmeasured.simibotic.com or you can find the link in my show notes. And the other thing, you know, when I hear from those people saying like, oh, it took six days and now I don't even think about the donuts downstairs or the ice cream in my freezer. Sometimes like three months later, they'll be like, wait, I'm really hungry again. Did I do it wrong? And it's like, no. Yeah. Well, healing is cyclical. Right. It, it, it is normal. Like, yep. and sometimes people will say, I'm, I'm curious if you find this, um, that in the beginning they were eating and I'm guessing this is with more like severe restriction in the beginning, they didn't really feel the extreme hunger. And then it kind of kicked in like a couple months in. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's because you actually almost like turned your body back on and it took time yeah. for your metabolism to like right. sort of be normal again. Right. And that's why usually on the, on the front end, I have people eat every three to five hours. Cause you're just like re-engaging that hunger and fullness system. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember each time that we eat, like a lot of like chemical things happen in our body. Right. Right. And, and we're basically retraining the brain to have these normal kind of ebbs and flows in all of the enzymes and hormones and everything that is being excreted when we eat, mm -hmm. let alone just the fact that, you know, we, usually when we're not eating food, we are numbed from our physical body, right? right? right. And so becoming reconnected to the physical body takes time. Even if you are, even if your body is actually getting the signals, maybe you're not hearing them because like you're not one, you don't know what they feel like. You don't know what those messages sound like. Um, and you're just, now you're like paying attention to it. So I think right. it's like a lot of uh, varying elements there, but but yeah, I think it does. I mean, that's what we see in eating disorder treatment oftentimes is like these patients, like with refeeding, you know, it'll take months and months and months to get hunger and fullness cues back. Right, right, right. And sometimes it's still not even appropriate to listen to them, <laughs> which right. that's really confusing. Um, so it just kind of depends on, like, like you said, like how severe and where on the spectrum are you? How long have you been doing it? How eager are you to change? And, and also that the change, the eagerness to change and the motivation ebbs and flows, right? So you could be coming into my office so motivated and then, oh shit, this got hard. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to pause and, and, and hold here because like that got scary. And then it's going to take me another month to kind of like get motivated again. That's okay yeah. too. Like 
it kind of ebbs and flows. I think that's really common too. I feel, I feel like I hear from a lot of people who are like, I am not restricting anymore and I am just binging and binging and binging. And then with a little prodding, they are, or they just yeah. tried whole 30 again, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yep. That's still restricting. <laughs> and, or it's just that restrictive mindset where I think yes. like with my chocolate example, right. It's like, she still so wanted to be done with it. And it's like, well, that's still not really freedom with that food. Right. Like right. wanting it to be over so that you eat it less is still restrictive. <laughs> exactly. And that's the, that's the mental restriction. And when people ask what mental restriction is, I, it's really guilt. Like yeah, mental restriction shows up a lot as guilty thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. around what you want to eat, what you did eat. Well, like you... still thinking like there is an acceptable amount and I am over it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Exactly. Yeah. I think another thing for loved ones to do, and and this might seem a little silly, but is, you know, going and following those um, accounts that they're really more for like young kids, like, um, um, like honest mom nutrition and, um, oh, eating in color and stuff like that, where they're like kind of, it's, it's about more so like toddlers, but I think that the all of the, the, the crux of all of it is the same. It's, it's allow your child to figure it out on their own, allow your child to have a variety of foods, allow your child to decide when to stop eating and and when to start eating. And even though it's geared more towards like young kiddos, I think Mm -hmm. it, it still applies to any kind of adolescent or even just like the refeeding process. Yeah. Um, so that can be like another resource I was thinking for this mom, you know, with the email. Um, that's, that's a really good idea, actually. To kind of curb her own anxiety about it. Because I feel like with parents, it's just like, I'm so worried I'm going to do it wrong or that she's going to do it wrong. And like, how can I help and how can I be supportive? Mm-hmm. And I also generally encourage the parent to just ask the person, how can I support you best? What do you want me to do? What would be helpful words to say? And what yeah. would not be helpful words to say? Um, and really just have the patient like give you like the general sense of like what's helpful because oftentimes the parent thinks they're being helpful, but how they said it is just maybe not the best or, right. or they're just not being helpful. Right. And you know, this is an example of a super supportive parent. Yes, she's trying her hardest. <laughs> and I actually get way more questions from people or young adults, um, a lot of young adults who are back living with their family during quarantine, you know, saying, oh gosh, yeah. I'm trying to heal and my family is horrible mm-hmm. around food. What do I do? And that is a harder thing to navigate if they are like super domineering or Mm -hmm. make lots of comments or are completely closed off to any of the things that we're talking about. Right. I think, yeah, I always, I always say kind of is like, let's try to engage. Let's try to educate. Let's try to basically like teach them how to support you. And if they, you know, at a certain point we might just have to say, you know, okay, mom's going to be mom. And how can I, how can I separate myself from what she's saying? Or how can I allow it to not land so heavy on me? Like, how can I 
I can't control mom or dad or whoever, Mm -hmm. but I can essentially control my response to them. Yeah. And that's like kind of the internal work. And, and unfortunately I hate when that's the case because it is so much more lovely when we have like this emailing mom that's super supportive and willing to do whatever, just just, like, just tell me what to do. Yeah, Um, That's definitely so much better. But at the end of the day, like, I think that just shows that that person has so much of their own work to do and they are not in a stage of change where they're able to see it or, and I tell people like with, when you're going through the intuitive eating process or like, you know, kind of the fuck it diet or whatever. It's like, don't mm-hmm. try to convert people. I know. Right. If they Doesn't ask work. you, right. <laughs> if they ask you, if they're interested for sure, give them information. Uh-huh. Like ultimately like you can't make someone ready to make these changes. They have it's to get so there on true. their own. It's so true. And it can be just so frustrating with the expectation. I feel like lowering expectations, especially once they have not understood or, or not wanted to understand enough times, mm-hmm. once you realize that you're, this is the level of understanding you're going to get from this person or from your parents or from whoever, mm-hmm. it's so helpful to be like, I, you know, as opposed to like wait, being like, I just need, like, I can't heal unless you understand what yes. I'm doing to let go of that expectation eventually right. and just be like, you know what? this is hard and this is annoying and it is triggering, but I have to do this for myself and, and find people either in my life or online who do get it, who I can connect to. Right. Find other support people. If it, if they aren't going to be your direct family members or your spouse or whoever, there, there are other people that can be that support system that you go to in these moments. And I think sometimes too, it's like when people are on this journey I think they get really excited and they're like, Oh my God, I feel so much better. Like this is life changing. And so they want to bring people into that yeah. even from like a positive perspective. And it doesn't matter if people aren't ready to hear it, they're not going to hear it. Right. And then you're just going to waste your energy trying to convert them and they're going to just try to blow holes in your argument and, I used to do that as a young, like intuitive eating dietitian Mm -hmm. is like, I would, I was like, everyone needs to believe what I believe. Right. And like, you all, you all are in the dark and just shame on you and like, whatever. Right. It's just like a, a a zealot, right? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Like you have to believe my way. And I just came to the conclusion that like, if someone asks me a direct question, I'm happy to share, but ultimately Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I am keeping it to myself. <laughs> same, same, same. I really, and I find, you know, and a lot of people also ask, okay, how do I get through to my friend who's still mm-hmm. talking about dieting? And again, the first answer is really lower your expectations because right. it's going to be a big letdown if you try really hard to convert them and they they aren't ready or they don't agree. Um, well, but I you have to tell the person, like, if it's impacting you in a negative way, you might just have to say like, Hey, I'm really working on healing my relationship with food. I'm happy to share this journey with you. But for right now, like I can't be around diet talk or whatever. Like it's okay to set that boundary. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's you like to put it in a really kind of neutral way of like, 
I, you know, I used to diet all the time and, you know, I'm really actually trying to heal my own relationship with food. I can share with you what I'm learning if you want, but otherwise I just, I really can't talk about, like, I think that that is the best way to approach it because then the people who are curious will we'll say, say, Oh my oh, gosh, I would, yeah. I would like to hear what you're yeah. talking about. And the people who aren't won't get it, but hopefully if they're a good friend, they will try to understand. Curb, yeah. Mm-hmm. Try to curb the diet talk. Well, and it's usually like you've said, like dieting or yeah, dieting creates such a community and you usually have like certain friends that you like, or whether it be your mom or your sister or whatever that you go like that you used to diet Mm-hmm. talk or diet mm-hmm. with all the time right because like that's part of the whole point is like that community vibe and all of the diets like try to do at the forums and the meetings and you know all mm-hmm. that stuff like right, that's right, what right. people really crave right yeah um and so you've moved on from that community but your community member doesn't know that yet <laughs> and so right. sometimes you just have to tell them be like hey just so you know i'm out of, i'm out <laughs> yeah yeah, to expect that they know what you're doing without you telling them what you're doing. Yeah. It's just, you know, how could they know? Mm-hmm. Especially if you were their diet buddy. Right. Now I have a very important question for you. Okay. How do you feel about Dorinda leaving Roni? <laughs> um, you know, I love me some Dorinda. I think she was a little much this season. I think she took it a little too far. I always feel like Dorinda has maybe some personality stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Or the other, I don't know. Have you seen the reunions? I, I have not. Like they're like, I'm, I'm behind on the reunions. So I think like what I've, I've seen clips and stuff and, and what I've hear, what I hear is like, once you watch the reunion, it kind of makes more sense why she was acting the way that a she little was acting. bit, a little bit. She's still really bad at, taking any ownership and apologizing. But the interesting thing, remember how Sonia said that her diuretic, which by the way, is that just like a weird diety thing that she's taking for like water weight or something? What, what um, is that about? Yes. And it's also a diuretic probably plus like Xanax or something, but yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, That's my guess. Right, I right, but put that out there. <laughs> what she said, and sorry for anyone who doesn't watch The Real Housewives, just skip ahead like just ignore us <laughs> four minutes and then we'll, we'll be back on track. Um, uh, uh, Sonia said that she looked up the diuretic plus alcohol equals drunken sailor syndrome. And during uh-huh. the reunion, Dorinda said, I don't believe that because I'm on the same diuretic. And everyone's like, uh, why is everyone on diuretics? I don't First know. First of all, let's but- be clear. This is like maybe something that like people think is normal and it's, it's like, not normal to just constantly be on a diuretic. I know a lot of times dermatologists like prescribe um, spirolactalone, which is technically a diuretic for acne purposes, but usually it's not like forever. <laughs> right. And I, I literally, Dorinda was like, as soon as I hit menopause, I started taking spirona, or not spironolactone, started taking a diuretic. But the thing that I could tell everyone sitting, even Andy, everyone sitting after Dorinda was like, no, I don't believe that that causes that because I'm on the same diuretic and, and it's like, thinking, Oh, well maybe it, maybe actually that makes sense. so much <laughs> when she's slurring her words and like not yeah. making any sense. It's exactly the same as Sonia. Okay. New question. Okay. How do you feel about Leah? I really like Leah. Um, yeah, no, I think she's good energy. I, I agree. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Very impressed. I'm, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, all I, all good things. I'm I enjoy her. I do like that she went back to sobriety. I think that was probably a good choice. Yeah, um, though I wonder, like I wonder what that will mean for, like, will she become the the voice of reason now? Will she? You know, well, what I, mean? I think she's a she's a good challenger, right? Like she's a little bit younger, a little bit more woke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she'll challenge and. And honestly, I could have done without the sloppy drunkness. That's true. Um, I actually liked, (laughs) yeah, it was very stressful to watch um, as the audience. Um, But I think that what is so great about Leah is actually not that part. I agree. You're right. You're very right. Actually, I like it more when we can sort of trust her and Mm -hmm. be on her side when she can sort of be the Bethany in a way. Yes. 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 Maybe even better. Well, I don't know. I saw some clips of Bethany. Of course, I don't agree with Bethany's business practices at all, but which was a big part of our Bravo uh, talk or whatever, but yes. Oh yeah. Well, maybe one day I'll, I'll release that. I I need to know what I appreciate about Bethany though, on her Instagram, like it's so messy. Like Um, she's like, have you noticed that? Like when she makes like her cocktails or whatever, she's spilling shit all over the place. That's true. Actually, that's really true. I, it's, I guess it's very authentic, but no, I just that like, is it true. Makes me chuckle and I'm like, Bethany, this is so great. She's like half dressed and like spilling shit everywhere. I'm like, yes, I like this. I guess this at a certain life. point, she's like, I mean, I literally have a brand based on me being myself. So yeah. why should I like <laughs> curate everything within an inch of its life? That makes sense. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I, I honestly, like, I wish that she would drop the skinny girl, everything and just have everything be Bethany. Like that would just make so much more sense, especially since she's clearly trying to pivot. Yeah. We totally did talk about this, but she's clearly trying to like, even on the skinny girl site, it's like skinny girl is for everyone and everybody. Right. She's and trying it's like, to pivot doesn't to even be make more any inclusive. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. just needs to drop it, drop it. But she's such good reality TV. Oh my God. And Um, then the last question about Bravo is what are your thoughts on the Denise drama at this point? Oh, did you finish the reunions? So I have not watched the reunions, but again, I've been so in Potomac right now. Like my brain is like so Potomac. I need need to watch it. I need to watch it. (laughs) And I just like want to get in bed and watch Potomac. So that's what I've been doing. (laughs) Um, But um, so like I started watching, why did I do that? I can't remember the timing of it. I think there was like, oh, I think it was when they took like a week or two off. Um, oh, right. You during, like w- was it because of Black Lives Matter or, or the quarantine or maybe both? Um, oh, I think they had to re-edit because I think that they couldn't do their um, their ta- their diary thing. I don't even know what people, uh, the talking oh, heads. Oh, right, right, right. The, so they yeah, had yeah, to the, do them remotely and then edit them in. I think that's, that's right. That's happening. right. I think that's why. So they, so I didn't have anything to watch. So I was like, oh, I'll just start Potomac because it's on Hulu. And that's, I like deep, deep dove into Potomac. And I I'm hear still, it's so good. I, I, I have to, I have to. I know. I'm on the current. What's great is they're currently on the fifth season. So it's not that hard to catch up. I think I should do it and then go back to OC. Cause I, I don't know. I mean, if, it's more re- relevant. So I think I should I do it. Say yes. I think I should um, do it and then go back to OC. I'm in the middle of whatever has been released on the current season. And it is, it is so good. But so I have not watched the, I've been so into Potomac that I've not watched the reunion for Denise, but <laughs> you 
texted me about this and you were like, I'm, I'm on Denise's side. And I was like, this is going to be our first fight because <laughs> I cannot, I, I cannot agree with you. And then you were like, well, well, okay, let's like, can we talk about this? Let's, let's talk about this. And it's like, I'm team. I think she's lying. Yeah. I think she's lying too, <laughs> but, but I still, still feel, Denise. yeah, I, I feel like, for okay, her. Fine. Yes. Yes. I am still team Denise. I think that how it all went about was completely ridiculous and like unfair and whatever, but she's definitely lying. And I think she, <laughs> d- you know, it would have helped me stay even more team Denise if she had handled it better, if she had lied a little bit less, or if she had or lied better, lied like, better. If she lied, lied better, or just shut it down and been like, "This is none of your business." And right. I did say bad things about you, Teddy, because I don't really like you. Well, I don't like, understand why she didn't just like cop to that. Like that's wait, what the show is about. Is like wait, they all talk about each other behind each other's. Backs. I have. Like, wh- I did say that shit. <laughs> I know. I don't get that either. I really don't get that either. And the other thing is, do you remember in the previews? Maybe this did happen and I missed it. And again, if. I promise we will stop talking about this in like two minutes. But remember in the previews, uh, Rinna said, no, she said like, no, something, 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 Teddy. Oh, what she like, said. What else do I need to do? do, do. What else should I do, Teddy? Teddy? That's like one of my favorite lines. But that, I don't, was that in the actual no, show? it was. Yeah, it was. It was at the beginning and it oh. was, um, it was about, was this the season where they did went to the all in by Teddy thing? Yes. Yeah. It yes. was something. It was like, what else should I do, Teddy? It was like right after that. Oh, so it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't about. It, it wasn't was like about. A real... It wasn't about Denise. It was about like, oh maybe. It, yeah, it was something like. I was like waiting for that dramatic moment, and it never happened. It, it when everyone turned on Teddy. <laughs> yeah, it was more dramatic in how they used it in the. Yeah, that okay. That makes sense. Clips, that makes sense. Then it did because I remember being like, "Oh, kind of bummed about like what it actually was about." I was like, "Oh, but what a great line! <laughs> this her inflection so, is so good, perfect, <laughs> so so good." Okay, so any last thoughts coming back to eating food, disordered eating, <laughs> eating disorder recovery? Any food. last thoughts before we go off and watch reality TV? Um, no, I mean, I think I. I think maybe a concluding thought would be that the more that you judge yourself on anything that you're doing, Mm -hmm. the longer it's going to take to heal from it. And I know that's probably simpler said than done. Um, But really going back to that curiosity, non-judgmental curiosity of just like, huh, interesting. That's uh, maybe something I'm not wanting to really do. Why am I doing that? Um, and just asking why, because that's the crux of everything. Yeah. I think people focus too much on like the food part. And it's like, well, let's talk about like why you did that, because that's right. way more interesting than like eating waffles. And it'll it'll help you get to the bottom of everything because it's just that that why is always going to be there. Yep. So until you ask that question and and get curious about figuring yeah. it out, it's just going to keep. And I think, yeah, I think from the, uh, the support person perspective, also asking why of like, why am I concerned about that? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, where is this coming from? Am I worried that she's going to freak out? Am I worried that um, she's gonna, 
gain weight? Am I worried? You know, who knows right. like why right. and really get down to that kind of component and understanding where, where your fear is coming from, because I think that would be helpful for you to, you know, heal, you know, that part or just understand like, Oh, okay. Like I'm just worried about my daughter and it's coming out and worrying about her food or, you know, whatever. Right, it may be. Right. Right. I think that's great advice and a great reminder. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And where, I know you sort of talked about it in the beginning, but where can everyone find you on the internet? So on Instagram, my handle is Dallas Nutritional Counseling, and my website is also Dallas Nutritional Counseling, and you can find everything, any other way to contact me or all of my content is on either, you can find it either on Instagram or my website. You can find all of the links to follow Casey and Dallas Nutritional Counseling in the links, wait, 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 what am I trying to say? You can find the links in the show notes, that's what I'm trying to say. And so at this point, I've actually shared with you three different accounts that you can follow that are all non-diet dietitians in this one episode. So the first two were sponsored Side-by-Side Nutrition and Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD on Instagram, and now Casey Bonanno, Dallas Nutritional Counseling. And honestly, all three of them are so great to follow on Instagram in the very, very least. Um, Amazing content, helpful stuff to think about, a specific perspective that I think will be helpful ongoing. And all of them are in the show notes of this episode. In addition to the other sponsor of this episode, Unmeasured, the monthly bar class. What else do I want to say before I go off into this rainy Saturday? I was going to go for a walk before I worked on this podcast, but it was raining. And so I sat down to do it. So I'm going to go for a walk after and I'm probably not going to bring my dog because it's in the 70s and she refuses to walk more than one block unless it's in the 50s. Fahrenheit, obviously. Um, it's really annoying, but I also understand because she basically has fur for snow and it's it doesn't snow enough here. <sighs> okay. Um, now, I still am accepting. <laughs> so for the pa- like this, I guess the past six plus months, I've been sharing inspiring listener stories so if you have taken yourself through a recovery process or through the fuck a diet and you've done it for at least a year I like to ask for and want to share your experience if you think it would be helpful to people who are starting out please email those stories to podcast at carolineduner.com I still do have a little backlog and I promise I will get to them but um, I'm always accepting more And also, if you believe that you have a business or a coaching practice that is that is aligned with the fuck a diet and you'd like to um, partner with this podcast and have an ad on an upcoming episode, you can also email podcast at carolinedinner.com and I, I vet everyone to make sure it's actually a good fit and and we can go from there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, in two weeks, you can talk to me on Instagram because that's where I always am way too much. I am just sitting on Instagram wasting my time. So, yeah, yeah. If you want to help me waste time, go bother me on Instagram. All right, I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.